0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others, as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find Even this message Lord,
1: practical, ob- encouraging, and, and life-giving. They have Be blessed. blessed. Peter and the other disciple set off at once for the tomb, the two of them running together. The other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. He stooped and looked inside and noticed the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in himself. Hard on his heels came Simon Peter and went straight into the tomb. He noticed that the linen cloths were lying there and that the handkerchief, which was round Jesus' head, was not lying with the linen cloths, but was rolled up by itself a little way apart. Then the other disciple, who was the first to arrive at the tomb, came inside as well saw what had happened and believed. They they did not yet understand the scripture, which said that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went back again to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb and she was crying. And as she cried, she looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white who sat, one at the head, and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had lain. The angels spoke to her, why are you crying? They asked, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have put him, she said. Then she turned and noticed Jesus standing there without realizing it was Jesus. Why are you crying? Said Jesus to her, who are you looking for? She, supposing that he was the gardener, said, "'Oh, sir, if you have carried him away, "'please tell me where you have put him, "'and I will come and I will take him away.' Jesus said to her, "'Mary.' At this, she turned right around and said to him in Hebrew, "'Master!' "'No,' said Jesus, "'do not hold me now. "'I have not yet gone up to the Father.' Go and tell my brothers that I am going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary of Magdala went off to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her.
0: Very good. What an amazing passage of Scripture. And what an amazing day it is today. So, one of the reasons that it's an amazing day is, of course, because it's Resurrection Sunday. Another reason that it's an amazing day is uh, because we get to eat chocolate. And you might have seen that there's actually, you know, even though we're all adults in here, there's actually... Easter eggs kind of hidden around. So this is your Easter egg hunt. If you see an Easter egg, you're actually allowed to eat it. It's, it's, it's for you guys. But for some of you, the reason probably that it's a really amazing day is because it's kind of the day that we've been waiting for or hoping for all year. Because, you know, when you're, when you're tired, when you're busy, when you've got all these different things going on, don't we kind of say... Oh, I just wish that there, I had an extra hour in the day. And today is that day. You get 25 hours today. Daylight Savings has come to an end. And like, what better day, 25 hours to eat chocolate, to be in church, to see people get baptised. Could it get any, any better? And uh, I know that uh, it's a great day for some of the farmers in the room who don't really like Daylight Savings uh i kind of do like daylight like savings i like being able to um you know get home from work at the end of the day and still be light outside and different things and and uh you know be able to do stuff and um you know and there's always that transition time isn't there of trying to get your body clock back in sync as to you know when the times change and you know you got to try to get the cows back in sync maybe or you know different ones back in sync but uh thankfully uh my dogs have helped me get in sync uh, over this last week because um, you might have noticed that on Monday it was a, a full moon, and so because it was a, has been a, a full moon, it's been quite light outside, and so uh, our dogs normally sort of you know wake us up when it starts to get light. But at about five thirty. When the moon is up, our dogs think that it's daylight already. And so they've been waking us up early all week to, you know, help us. They're, they're so helpful, our dogs. By waking us up at five thirty to help us transition into this, you know, daylight savings uh kind of kind of time. But this actually fits in with our Easter passage that we just read talking about, you know, the different the full moon and the uh, you know, when the sun comes up and all that kind of stuff, because today we're talking about, uh, as uh, Tim wrote that song, Beyond the Night, that was uh, amazing, thank you Tim. So that's what what we're talking about, and I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that Easter is kind of not like a lot of the other holidays and celebrations, because you know. Your birthday is kind of on the same date every year, hopefully. Uh, You know, Christmas is on the same date every year. Uh, Lots of the different things that we celebrate, Anzac Day, we're going to be celebrating that. happens to fall on a Sunday this year, so we're going to be celebrating that in a special way. Uh, But Easter kind of doesn't fall on the same date every year. And I don't know if you know how or why that, Easter kind of the date shifts around, but it's kind of is to do with the moon and the sun and all this stuff that kind of goes on because the date of Easter is uh, set for the first Sunday after the full moon, after the equinox. So that's how the date of Easter is kind of set, and not that I'm wanting to give a whole science lesson here about what the equinox is. But basically, at the equinox, it's the the time where everyone gets 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness. And so right at that point, right at the point of the equinox, uh, for us then, as we sort of move in towards winter, our nights start getting longer. So the darkness starts to Overtake the light, but in the northern hemisphere and in uh, in the Middle East, where Easter was set, it was at that exact point where the light would start to overtake the darkness. And really, that is the essence of what Easter is is talking about: that there are forces of darkness, that there are different things that are going on in our world, but. On today, on Resurrection Sunday, the light overcomes the darkness. And the beautiful thing about the way that the light overcomes the darkness is that when the light shines, simply is, the darkness must flee. The darkness, we don't have to fight. We don't have to strive. We don't have to do all this stuff. We simply let the light shine and the darkness is eliminated. The darkness is removed. So where and when was this story set, the passage that Belinda just read for us? It was set at nighttime or it says it was early in the morning, but it makes specific mention that it's before the sun got up and it was in a cave. So really this story is a story about a lady bringing two guys to look at nothing at night time in a cave kind of a bit weird. I mean, I think we could all see nothing in a cave at night time. And if that's kind of our expectation, then that's kind of all we'll get out of this story. But that's not actually entirely true because, because there would have been a full moon around that time, there would have been some light. And because there was some light, I'm sure that it doesn't make any mention of the fact that they that they brought lanterns or that they uh, bought different things to illuminate things because they would have felt confident, I can see. I can see exactly what is going on here. They came with their expectations of being able to see even though it was not because the moon was out. But they actually each saw three different things, the three people in the story, based on how close they were to the focus of the story. So it says that Mary, she approached the tomb. She stood off, but she, from a distance in the moonlight, as she stood back, she could see that the stone had been rolled away. And that was enough for her. She went and she then, she... She went and got John. She got Peter and told them to come. And so then John, he got sort of closer still and he stood at the the entrance and more than just seeing the stone rolled away, John actually looked into the tomb and he saw that these strips of cloth were, were there. And then Peter goes even closer still and he sees that there was this handkerchief that had been rolled or or folded and was sitting nicely apart from the other cloth. So I actually saw three different things based on how close they got. And so point one for those that are taking notes is the darker the surroundings, the closer we need to be. That we do live in a dark world, don't we? But even in the midst of darkness, all all that it is trying to say to us is that you can still see if you are close enough. And so the darkness is actually to draw us closer. Not closer to the darkness, but closer to the light, closer to to what God is actually wanting to reveal to us, wanting us to see. But what is he wanting us to see? Because it said that upon seeing this, upon seeing this handkerchief, it says that, Peter and John believed and went home. But did you notice that it made mention that, that, that it said, but they did not yet believe that Christ had risen, didn't believe that those scriptures had been fulfilled. So what did they believe? They believed to the level of their expectation. And we believe to the level of our expectation. And we believe to the level that we can see. And so my prayer today is that you'll see deeper into this passage and into what God is wanting to do in your life. So... There must have been some significance to this folded handkerchief. And indeed, in in Jewish culture, there was this idea that happened that servants would come and set the table, that a servant, if the master asked them to do something, they would go and set everything, make sure that everything was was just so, if there was going to be a feast, if there was going to, to be something. And they weren't supposed to touch that table again until the feast had been completely finished. Now, just a few days before this, there was a special feast. And... Jesus asked for the Passover to be prepared and he asked two people to prepare that special feast and they were Peter and John. The two people that were now seeing this handkerchief. Now, how would the servant... No, when the master has finished the banquet. Well, of course, they would take the handkerchief and they would, you know, wipe their face, wipe their beard, wipe their hands. And they would then leave the handkerchief in a pile as they left the table. So it wasn't the leaving of the table because who knows, you know, you've probably been out to, you know, a, uh, a nice meal before where you've had, you know, fancy, you know, handkerchiefs maybe like this. And there's generally a time, you know, if it's a nice long feast and different things like that, there's generally a time where you might need to get up to go to the bathroom to, to do something. And so this would happen in Jewish times. And so there was a signal that they would give to show that when they left the table, but they were coming back, they would fold the handkerchief and leave it there. So upon seeing that, it was a signal to them that he was coming back. But still their expectation was such that they still didn't expect Jesus to come back right there and then. That There was this expectation that in the last days that there was going to be a resurrection. No one ever expected that there would be a resurrection in the middle of time, that there would be a resurrection on a day like today. So they left with their expectation, not seeing what was truly there. Now, I remember one time we were driving across the hay plain, Belinda and I. Now, for those that have driven across the hay plain, not a lot to see. Pretty dry, pretty arid, it's a bit like kind of a desert for those that have been across there before and so Belinda you know makes mention of this oh you know so so dry so barren you know she's just like do do they do they grow anything here like what like what's the point of this you know this area and so that kind of got me on a on a bit of a rant about you know how you know I don't think it's fair that our you know our farmers, you know, they have this water allocation that's given to them and then, you know, they're only allowed to use a certain percentage of that allocation. Sometimes they only get 4% of their allocation because over here they have these cotton farms and they can just, you know, have these open channels and, you know, do all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, there's actually, like, like, there's really big cotton farms that that are, you know, over here on the Hay Plains. So they do actually farm it. And as I'm talking and as Belinda is hearing this and as it's building her expectation of seeing these cotton farms, she looks over in the distance and she says, I can see it. I can see the cotton in the paddock. I, I can see it. Now, ordinarily, my vision is not being rude, but a lot better than Belinda's. Now, since then, she's got glasses because of incidents just like this. So, I am looking, I am staring, I am trying to, you know, it's the middle of the day, so it's bright and light outside, but for the life of me, I cannot see any cotton. And so I say to her, where, where can you see the cotton? I can't see it. And she goes, there it is moving across the paddock. It was a pack of unshorn lambs. But don't we do the same thing, that we actually miss seeing the lamb, the lamb that was slain, Because of our expectation, we're expecting to see something. Because I've been talking all about this, her expectation shifted. And so she saw what she expected to see and she missed the lamb. The lamb that was there. And we do the same thing. Peter and John did the same thing.
2: Because Jesus was there.
0: We miss the risen Lamb. We miss seeing it because of the expectations of what we've heard in our past. We all have hurt. We all have pain in our lives. We all have places of darkness. And because of that, we don't expect to see Jesus in the midst of our darkness. We expect more pain, more hurt, more bad things spoken over us
2: instead of expecting to see the Lamb that was there all along.
0: Peter missed him. John missed him. Mary
2: almost missed him. Belinda definitely missed him. But today, we are going beyond
0: our expectation. So point two, for those taking notes, beyond, we're going beyond the expectation of the night into the acceptance of the light. Now, quite often, those two things don't really go together in our minds light and acceptance in fact just the opposite is true so our false expectations are these the more i can hide in the dark the more i'll be accepted which leads to anxiety so yeah annie the more i am exposed by the light The less I will be accepted, which leads us to fearing the light. You see, don't we lie about the things that we're ashamed of? We all have things that we want to keep hidden in the dark. We use makeup and filters and editing software to change the way that... We look, we isolate ourselves and we withdraw into dark places when we're feeling bad about ourselves. Now, all these mirrors that are up on the stage are probably a little bit distracting to some of you. Maybe you're feeling a little bit self-conscious if you can see yourself in the mirror because often what happens is when we go to a mirror and we look in it we're looking for the things that are wrong in us so we're checking our teeth to make sure that we haven't got any breakfast in there and we're checking our nose to make sure that's all clear but then we look at the color of our teeth and the shape of our teeth and are they okay are they acceptable when we're looking is my Is my nose clear? And then, the ladies in the room would probably like to just check how how is how is my butt looking today? As we were getting ready to go out to uh, the Filipino life group last night, we were there and you know it was a a hot day Belinda was wearing a dress and so we're about to head out the door and so she quickly went to just look in the mirror and so Belinda thinks that she has fat knees so she went and she stood in front of the mirror and she didn't look at anything else she just looked at her knees yep fat knees and she walked off But I kind of do the same thing. Like whenever there's a a post put up on our social media thing, I kind of look to see like this section around here. It's kind of growing since I hit 40. So I look to see how how that is kind of how that is kind of going. So so Anna, do you just want to? I'll just like suck it in. Do you just want to quickly take a take a picture? And I'll just I'll look really serious and like I'm preaching and you can just take a take a photo and I'll just, I'll look like this. <laughs> we look for the negative things in the mirror, don't we? We want to hide those things in the dark. We don't think that we'll be acceptable if people can see those things about us i generally only look in the mirror for for five seconds you know as i'm walking out the door and it's generally still dark when i do and you know what in the dark my hair is dark In the dark, I can't see my spare tire. Everything looks good in the dark. I can't see my faults. I can't see the things that are wrong with me in the dark. And so we get to this place where we actually love the dark and are afraid of the light.
2: Because of our faults, because of our failures, because of our imperfections.
0: Now, Belinda and I first met, first day of year 11, in high school, in 1995, long time ago. And the moment that I saw her getting off the school bus on that first day, I knew that I wanted to marry her. But it wasn't until later that as I got to, to know her, that it went from just a romantic feeling to this idea that I could actually spend the rest of my life with her. And that shift kind of happened in a moment, and it was something that Belinda said. And because she said that, it has, of course, changed my life forever.
2: Do you want to know what she said? we We were in this conversation in class and she leaned in close and she said,
0: you got snot up your nose. You think that I'm joking, but that is actually the moment because, because she could actually say that and carry on the conversation and not think less of me. That's what we're all longing for. We're all longing for someone to look at us and see us at our worst and still accept us. I thought if she can see that, if she can, if she can see that and it not faze her and not worry her, then that is someone that I can be with. So the moral of the story for all you single people in the room is look For someone with snot in their nose, they could just be the one. No, no, no. That's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus is better than Belinda. That Jesus sees you at your worst. He sees every wrong thing about you. Every fault. Every failure. Every snotty bit that you have allowed to stick to your life. Even every thought that you've thunk, if that's a word, in the dark, in those dark places, and yet somehow
2: the holy, righteous God of the universe still accepts us, still loves us.
0: So, we go beyond the night. So, I want to pose this question to you. What if you could be
2: fully seen and fully accepted? That's the love of God. That's the cross. That is what He is calling us into. He's calling us beyond the night into the light.
0: But how can we make that transition? Because why Why should I just trust you, Josh? Why should I just trust your word? If, if my my greatest anxieties keep me wanting the darkness and my greatest fears keep me from stepping into the light, even though you're telling me that my greatest love could be found in the light. How do I cross over? How do I step from this place of darkness into the light? How can I just trust your word, Josh?
2: Well, the whole point is, I'm not asking you to trust my word. I'm asking you to trust the word.
0: I'm asking you to trust the way, the truth, the life, the light who came and demonstrated this once and for all upon the cross and proved it by resurrecting on Sunday. That's what this passage was all about. Now, some of you are still like, well, I don't see how that passage about all that weird stuff that kind of happened is actually about
2: me. Is actually about me crossing, oh, it's the hardest thing in the world for us to do. Because our greatest fears and our greatest anxieties keep us longing for the darkness. How can I trust it? How is that story about that? Well, I can't
0: really tell you. So I'm sorry if you were here the other day. I'm gonna to have to show you again. Is that alright? So I'm gonna need some helpers again. If I can get this table taken away, I can get that stuff up. And uh I'm gonna need six people to come up. How many have we got on this front row here? Do you have to take photos, Juliana? Alright. So convenient. Alright. You five, can you Can you five come up? You five in the front row, and do you want to come up as well? Oh no, hang on. How many have I got? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, and Pastor Jake was going to be six because he's got a jacket which works well. Okay, sorry. Yes, you five come up. Okay. So have we got everything in place. We got that. We got that. We got that. We got that. Okay, I think we are all good. Okay, you're going to be Jesus for me. You, you're going to be Mary Magdalene, okay? And who have we got here? We've got you. You're kind of wearing white. You two are going to be the angels, okay? You're going to be John, and you're going to be Peter, okay? So we'll t- we'll try and get into business. So Jesus, you come and stand here, and uh, who are you again? You were John, so you're kind of standing sort of at the entrance. Mary, do you want to come over here and just stand over here because you're seeing things from a distance? You're one of the angels, so I want you to stand at this end of the thing. You're one of the angels. You're going to stand there. And uh, Peter, you can just stay right there where you are. Okay, here we go. Now, it's going to get a little bit confusing. There's only two points to today's message. I've already given them to you. So if you... Get lost somewhere along the way. You've already got your points. Okay, this is not the point. This is the proof of the point. Okay. Now, if you're trying to take notes, good luck. It's going to go hard. It's going to go fast. My suggestion is watch it again online. It's going to be on YouTube if you need to uh, get any of the points that you miss. Because what we're going to go through is we're going to we need to see how two amazing events that took place in the Old Testament actually relate to the resurrection and relate to us and our acceptance in the light today. Okay, so one of those events is Yom Kippur, which is called the Day of Atonement, which we'll talk about in a moment. And the other event is what was called the Passover. Okay, so at the Passover, for those that maybe don't know, what the people had to do was they... uh, They sacrificed a lamb, they used the blood of the lamb, they put it on their doorposts, the angel of death passed over them, which led them then to a place of freedom in the wilderness. They escaped, the Jewish people uh, thousands of years ago escaped uh, Egypt and uh, came eventually into the promised land. Associated with that then, the Jewish people still to this day celebrate the Passover so there were four I will statements that God gave at the Passover. Okay, And you'll see here that there are four cups of, not wine, but grape juice that are representing those four I will statements. So if we can have those I will statements up on the screen. So the first I will was, I will bring you out from under your burdens, So this was the cup of sanctification. The second I will statement is, I will rescue you from slavery, which was the cup of deliverance. The third I will statement is, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. So that is the cup either of redemption or blessing. And then finally, it is the cup of praise. I will take you as my people and I will bring you in. So we have here the cup of praise. Okay. So Jesus is at the Passover. Remember, he's asked. Who did he ask to set up the Passover? John and Peter. So they were like his servants setting things up. So as part of setting things up, they set up four cups for everybody. Jesus then, at the start of the feast, starts drinking. So would you, Jesus, like to start drinking the cup of sanctification? So you have a sip of that. And then he had some of the cup of deliverance. But then something happens. At this point, there's a whole process of how things are supposed to go through. The next cup was supposed to be what? The cup of blessing. What does Jesus say? If we can have the next scripture up. Thank you. He said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So all of a sudden, there's a disruption in the flow of things. He's saying, I will not drink the cup of blessing. Okay, next scripture, if we can have that, the next one up. So then he's, he's in the garden and he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Could he be talking about the cup? Why would you want a cup of blessing to be taken away? There must be another cup That because he's not drinking the cup of blessing, there must be an opposite, which is the cup of rejection. Now you notice that this one is different, that this one is not filled with wine, that it's filled with vinegar. Jesus will not drink the cup of blessing. Okay, so we're starting to get this idea. There's just a couple of things that we need to explain before to, to, to make sure that what I'm saying is actually right. Remember, this is not the, the point. This is the proof of the point. How do I know that this is there? I've got that one scripture, but we, we need more. So on his path to the cross, one of the things that they did to Jesus was they took off his robe. So if you can take off your jacket. Now, this was not just any robe. If you read the scripture, it is a robe without seams. The only reason that you would have a robe without seams is that Yom Kippur, it was a part of the description that the high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, had to wear a robe without seams. If you do not have a robe without seams, you are not acceptable to come into the presence. So this belonged to Jesus. He was the true high priest. Yet he took it off because he's not drinking the cup of blessing. He's no longer able to come into the presence of God. He's going to instead drink the cup of rejection. But again, before he does that, what's the next? I, I can't remember what my next scripture is. Okay, yes. Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished. So this is John 19. So we're going back just a bit. Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished. And to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine or wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge and put it on the stalk of a hyssop and raised it to his lips. Okay, I'm not going to make you, this is a sponge from my shed, so I'm not going to make you drink from that. But now remember, at this point, Jesus is whipped beyond recognition. Have you ever had vinegar touch a cut or anything like that? Can you take a sip of that and just tell us how it tastes? It's the cup of rejection. At that point, he drinks the cup of rejection. Now, why is this important? Because this, a hyssop branch with a sponge on the end, is what they would use in the Passover to paint the door frames of their houses. So this is a symbol of the Passover we get passed over he gets rejected that is what this is about this this whole thing it's disrupted it is he's supposed to get blessing but instead he takes rejection then he says it is finished and then he bows his head to fulfill the scripture okay so so what happens next he he's crucified He dies, they they lay him in a tomb. So if you can come and lay down here. Now remember, he's been beaten, cat of nine tails, across his back. And then remember, they stick a spear in his side. Now he's not he's not in Joseph's tomb. We we believe that Joseph had passed away at this stage. He's not in Joseph's tomb. They were in a rush. They're in Jerusalem. So they quickly do some preparation, but you can imagine that with all that blood, even though he has wrappings on, that some of that blood is seeping through onto this, which will become important in a moment. So, remember, it's not finished. The meal is not finished. The Passover is not finished because we stopped at the second cup. We change the cup of blessing to the cup of rejection. Okay. Now, we get to this next point in the story, the passage that we read for today. So, we have Mary far off. We have John a little way off. And we have Peter inside. This is a picture of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Women were not allowed inside. They could come so far, but because of who they were, there was a level of rejection that they had. John, who is like a, a holy man now, he's been following after Jesus. So the priest could come in, male priests could come in further but still a level of rejection. But then Peter, the new high priest who was called to take over from Jesus, is allowed all the way in. So this is a picture of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Now again, you might be thinking, oh, Josh, this kind of sounds good, but I think you're drawing a long bow. Why the mention of the fact that if we can have our angels at the, at the head end and the foot end? By this stage, Jesus is now resurrected. If you can stand up, thank you, resurrected Jesus. You folded the napkin, you're going to stand over there. Come and stand over here. So we have our two angels who are either side. Now, what do angels have? Wings. They're in a cave, so your wings probably can't go up. So just put your wings out in front of you like, like that your wings out in front of you, because it says one was at the foot end, one was at the head end. We've got this, we've got blood here, we've got handkerchief. Okay, put that next picture up. Thank you. Ark of the Covenant. Angels with their wings over the front. What would happen on the day of Yom Kippur? They would sacrifice a lamb and the blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat... On the mercy seat, this is the picture that we are supposed to get. This is what this passage is saying. But who sees it? These guys have gone home. You can go and grab your seats. Thank you, guys. They don't see it. Who sees this picture? Mary, a woman a demonized woman with mental health issues, with all this stuff going on in her life, the one who should have been rejected out of everyone, she gets to come and look, and she gets to come to the altar. She gets to see the blood of the sacrificial Lamb, the new mercy seat that is not just going to last for one year, that is not just going to atone for our sins for you know for a short period of time, but eternally, the one that should have been rejected the most, this cup belonged to her. this cup was taken by him, was taken by Jesus, but the story is not quite over yet because what's the next passage of scripture that I have up there the face cloth have been placed over there he's coming back the job is not done because on Yom Kippur you wouldn't stay in the high priest doesn't stay in the the most holy place next passage of scripture so Mary's stood weeping outside the tomb. Sorry, we've done that part already. Keep going to the next one. She saw two angels sitting in white. That's yes. So we've demonstrated that. Go to the next one. He said to her, Mary. So now all of a sudden she sees that Jesus was actually standing there the whole time. They thought he was the gardener because of their expectation. They expected a resurrection, but not in this way. But Jesus doesn't say, here I am. I've been hiding like one of the Easter eggs. No, he doesn't say, here I am. He says, Mary, here you are. When he says her name, it's it's not identifying himself. She identifies who he is when she knows who she is and where she is standing. And Mary literally means beloved or wished-for child. He's speaking love and acceptance over her because now, on the other side of the grave, the Passover can continue. So now the blessing is there, but Jesus is not drinking the blessing himself. He's giving the blessing to her. The Passover is continuing. The day of Yom Kippur is continuing. So then he says something strange. Let's go to the next one. Jesus says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father. Okay, so this is the first time in all of Scripture that Jesus doesn't call the disciples the disciples, he calls them brother. Because in this moment now, Jesus now holds the cup of blessing, but he's giving that blessing to everybody. He's taken the rejection that now the blessing can start to flow. So now they get to be brothers. So he says, go and tell the brothers that they're not supposed to be just servants waiting to come and clean up after the feast, that they get to join in the feast. they're looking for the wrong thing they're expecting the wrong thing next one mary magdalene went and announced now as part of what would happen at the end of yom kippur is it wouldn't end in the holy of holies that the high priest once they had Sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, which now has happened, our new mercy seat. They would then on their way out, they would start to sprinkle blood on the, the horns of the, the place of incense. They would sprinkle blood on, you know, the different areas on the way out. And then they would take the scapegoat and they would go out and go up into a high place in the hills. Exactly what Jesus said that he was doing. He's the scapegoat for our sins it's not finished and people believe that this is where the idea of a red carpet came from this idea of the blood on the altar the blood all the way out of the temple. The red carpet now a symbol of honor because royalty would walk on a red carpet. But now Mary, who should have been rejected, is told, go. Go from this place because now go and tell what has happened because she now gets the cup of praise that says I will take you as my people because this is finished now because remember this the scripture the the blessing was I will redeem you with outstretched arm that on the cross with outstretched arm he redeemed us so that now the final chapter is this idea the cup of praise i will now take you as my people and i will bring you in ordinarily people would walk on a red carpet to go into a building to go into this thing but she's in the holy place but now she's jesus is saying go and tell the people but it says to fulfill the scripture from exodus That he's still bringing us in. Bringing us in where? Bringing us into the light of his acceptance. This is the picture. If you'd like to walk down. And you can all grab your seats. This is the picture. That we are supposed to have. Of Resurrection Sunday. And one of us the red carpet of Jesus' blood laid out for us with that cup of blessing, that cup of praise in our
2: hands saying, I will bring you into the light and you will be accepted. Don't fear the dark. Don't fear the light you can now cross over from that place of darkness into light. I'm bringing you into the light of my acceptance, of my love. Would you like to stand? And we're going to pray
0: because all of us need this revelation in our lives. You need to know today that you are accepted, that you do not need to fear The light. It's been your greatest fear. It's been your greatest anxiety. But in this place is the place of greatest love. That is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. And if you need that today like I need that, then we're going to pray as we invite Jesus to shine his light upon us. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what it means. We thank you for all that you've done for us. That right back thousands of years ago, you foretold of today, of people, precious people, precious people that are in this room right now, stepping from that place of darkness and fear and anxiety into your Marvelous light, the light of your salvation. But right now you're extending a red carpet to each and every one of us saying you are precious, you are important, you are special. I see everything about you.
2: And I love you still. I accept you. Will you step into the light? Because his promise is, I will bring you in. I will bring you into the light and into my kingdom and into my love. And Father, each and every one of us in this room need that today. If there is anyone here that is never felt like they belong on a red
0: carpet, if there is anyone here that has felt like they just focus when they look into a mirror that they focus on everything wrong, everything bad about themselves rather than everything good about you, then
2: right now I believe the Holy Spirit is ministering to you right in your seats that Jesus is here.
0: Don't miss him. Don't mistake him because of your expectations
2: about what you've experienced in the past. Allow him
0: to reveal himself
2: by calling your name, by calling you by name as he calls you into his kingdom and calls you to be with him. Father, speak to those people now, my prayer, that they may respond to your voice, that they may for the first time know who they are because you have called them in to be with you, into that eternal feast that will never end, that eternal celebration that has always with you because of the resurrection.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at
1: LifeHouse. God's house, our home.